1: Another episode of Kaiju Transmissions. Um, Who are you again?
2: I am uh, Matt. And more importantly, we have a special guest of honor with us today. Which I'm going to let introduce himself because he's that awesome.
0: Who? Who?
1: Who? Who? He meant me. Mm
3: -hmm. That's a little reference for any wrestling fans out there. Any fans of the new day. Um, This is... Jelly or Tom. You may recognize my dulcet tones from the second run podcast, the now on hiatus second run podcast. Um, and, uh, I've also been on If It Bleeds, We Can Kill It. That's I've my podcast. On, yeah. I've been on that podcast. I've been on Hillbilly DVD Reviews once, I've been on, uh, <laughs> Movie Wars. Um, and I don't know what order you're releasing these episodes in but I've been on this.
1: Yes. How is everyone? Matt, I know you had an issue like last week where you had Donald Trump on the podcast and you played with his hair instead of like asking him any real questions. You got quite a bit of blowback about that, right? <laughs> 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 I <have no> idea. <laughs> oh yeah. wait, that was Jimmy Fallon. That was that was <laughs> <laughs> oh that's a thing oh
3: i hate jimmy Fallon.
1: <laughs> As you, does didn't, you didn't hear about it like he he had a, he had trump on uh the tonight show and instead of like he just it was just like all soft questions and then he was like can i ask you a question can i mess up your hair and then like he messes up trump's hair and like everyone got mad at him because like he didn't even ask like a single like real question it was just like a puff
3: thing that's what jimmy fallon
1: is
3: (laughs) yeah i know that's why i hate jimmy (laughs) Fallon. everything jimmy fallon does is just puff (laughs) that's Uh, why you know who loves jimmy fallon old people our moms oh yeah all of our moms probably love jimmy
2: fallon oh
1: yeah i guarantee you
2: so when trump wins the election and starts a nuclear holocaust we can blame jimmy fallon
1: yeah well uh (laughs) if trump does win we should like do episodes about like like uh nuclear holocaust (laughs) like like, well there's like the last war that toho movie where like the a war uh is caused by the u.s and the russians and it pretty much like ends the world like (laughs) we should just do like a whole like string of like uh apocalyptic disaster movies uh so like grave of the fireflies Oh, yeah, God. well, and Matt, you watched that <laughs> recently too, which you I th- I might not be getting it right. So if if uh, if your exact quote's wrong, please correct me. But I think you called it the funniest movie you've seen in a few years.
2: <laughs> that movie made me weep like a little girl. <laughs> oh man, I cannot cannot bear that movie at the end.
3: It is it is wall to wall
1: laughs. <laughs>, <laughs>
2: Well, if you vote for uh, Donald Trump, that's what you have look, to look forward to, so.
1: Well, yeah, and, and that's a great movie, people, I, Grave of the Fireflies is a studio Ghibli or Ghibli, depending on how you want to, how you say it. Giblets? Yeah, what? I don't <laughs> <laughs> uh, It's an anime film about um, some kids who, after the Tokyo fire bombings, are basically, like, homeless, and it, things just keep getting worse and worse, and. Uh, that's works. that's the best thing that happens to them in yeah this movie. <laughs> um I, they he's did
2: not, a, he's not exaggerating that's the sad part
1: <laughs> they actually did a live action version which i haven't heard much about like how if whether it's good or bad but i'd, I'd check it out
2: Uh i can only take so many man tears in one
1: sitting <laughs> um so it is october and i love horror movies in addition, to, I also
3: love horror movies. Yeah, I,
1: yeah, we we're horror friendly. Um and one thing I like to do on my uh, other podcast if it bleeds we can kill it is in October, release a couple episodes just focusing on specific horror movies or horror series or horror filmmakers and we're applying the same idea here. Um because um while maybe not giant monster per se, um Many, uh, Japanese horror films have been made by a lot of our favorite filmmakers who are responsible for so many movies that we love. And, um, I've been saying since day one, uh, you know, if you guys like some of the kaiju stuff, I mean, there's plenty of other Japanese monster movies to enjoy, even if there's not, uh, people stomping around miniature buildings, um, and today we're going to be talking about a horror film that is one of my favorite, absolute favorite Japanese, not just Japanese genre movies, but probably one of my favorite Japanese movies in general. Um, and we are talking about um, Shiro Honda's Matango, or Matango, um, I've heard it pronounced both ways, um, and Matango is a movie from 1963... Loosely based on a short story called The Voice in the Night by uh, William Hope Hodgson, who was a um, an author who is often credited as one of the fathers of what's known as weird fiction. Uh, he was a huge influence on Lovecraft, if you want to get into um, uh, the kind of writer he was. And um, Matango con- concerns a group of... Um, fairly wealthy people on a yacht and they get shipwrecked on an island where the only um, uh, real edible food is a specific uh, species of fungus known as Matango. And when they eat it, not only do they get addicted to it, but they start tripping out and uh, they start growing the fungus on their bodies and eventually they will be fully transformed into, uh, these lumbering, hulking mushroom monsters. Um, and, uh, this is one of Shiro Honda's absolutely, one of his best movies as far as I'm concerned. Right up there with the first Godzilla, um... It might not be, you know, there's other movies of his that I might like a little bit more than this, but I think after the original Godzilla, this might be his best movie, and it's criminally underrated. Um, it was released direct to TV in the United States with the unfortunate title of Attack of the Mushroom People. <laughs> um, yeah, <it's> slightly misleading. <laughs> Uh, which did give it a certain cult audience but um it 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 really devalues just how well done the the movie is um, and uh I mean th- this is a movie that's it's pretty layered there's a lot to this thing that that we're gonna be going through um I mean uh well matt i'll I'll kind of start with you because I think you just me and Tom have seen this movie several times over the years but uh, this is one that it, you just watched this for the first time of several months ago right yeah I watched it a couple months ago it's a great movie um, like what what were your first what, what like what what were your impressions of Matango like when when that movie ended what what was going through your head
2: you know the 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 depths and the layers that the characters had every character is very different um kumi mizuno especially like she's she's there for strictly the attention um she's kind of she's kind of playing the guys against each other then you have of course kenji sahara who's uh just a total douchebag (laughs)
1: like he's got um, those he's got those like messed up teeth
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean it, the, the cast is just incredible from from basically start to finish. Then you have Akira Kubo who has this—I don't—I don't remember if, if it's his girlfriend or fiance. I'm not sure if, if the movie makes that clear, but um, it, like it's just this very dreary and kind of drab movie. And by the end of it, you know Akira Kubo's character, which is um, Professor Mirai, he's basically basically like I, I should have stayed on the island and died with everybody else. Like <laughs> it's just one of those movies that sucks the life out of you because. <laughs> um, and, and like you don't you don't get to see his face until the end because um, it starts out like the movie actually is a flashback. Like it starts off with I think they're in Tokyo and it's him. It's a Kubo's character actually talking. And then by the end of it, he turned around. You realize he actually was exposed to the mushrooms, but he didn't get to stay back and die with everybody else. And he wishes that he had. And it has like kind of like twist ending. That's like a gut punch. And um, I don't know, like everything about it. The the characters, especially the way they play against each other, the fact that there's so much tension built between them, it's just really well done and well handled. And you you care about them, you're rooting against some and rooting for others, and and I think that's what I like so much about it.
3: Yeah, every one of these characters, um, not everyone, because uh, Akira Kubo's character is a, like a good person, um, but every every one of these characters, like just when you think they they couldn't be uh, a worse person they find a way to to dip a little bit lower <laughs>
2: um
3: you know like especially kumi mizuno like we we start off knowing that she's just like a uh an attention whore basically um but but then like she has the uh the gall to to say it out loud you know like where she's like eh I was just with you for the money. I'm over that now though. Like.
2: Yes, yeah, <laughs> um, literally. Says
3: it. She says that to is it is it just Yoshio uh Suchio or whatever? Mm-hmm. Suchia. Yeah. yeah. Um she says that to him like right to his face. <laughs> You're like, "Oh my god." And then uh and then like 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 you said like Kenji Sahara, like he starts off as like this like just kind of like a sleazy kind of guy and and then he becomes just horrible <laughs> um and and even the uh the i don't know if i want to i want to spoil it for people but there's a character that you think might be kind of okay and yeah, turns even, out to, even to he's possibly an be the worst one. <laughs> uh yeah <laughs> um
1: this is this is just a, it it's a just a it's a fascinating movie um pretty much what this movie is about is it's um i mean it's a survival horror movie so obviously you have a group of people stuck somewhere and they start to fight amongst themselves which is something you see in any zombie movie any from the walking dead i mean it's a staple uh, of survival horror, but it's like you guys said like you you learn so much about these people throughout the course of the entire runtime and um you you have uh really nobody really even the best it's like jelly was saying even with even the best uh person in this movie. At some point in in the film, will go hit rock bottom, and and do something terrible to somebody. And I think really what um, cause this movie was written by Takeshi Kimura, and um, I think hit what that screenplay. I think what what him and Honda were really trying to do was show the dehumanizing process of these people who at the beginning of the the movie you realize they're successful they're rich um they're educated and throughout the movie they're just the the circumstances around them they become more barbaric and they literally become less of a person um and uh I I think uh, now would be a good time to talk about Takeshi Kimura, the screenwriter. Um, Him and uh, Shinichi Sekizawa were Toho's two main screenwriters for their monster movies. Sekizawa was a more outgoing, friendly, funny guy, so he was usually assigned movies that were kind of going for something like that, whereas Kimura was a very introverted, um, cynical... um, really kind of depressed personality. Um, so he he got into the movies that were a little bit heavier. So he's responsible for stuff like um uh, the Frankenstein Conquers the World, um, War of the Gargantuas, um, stuff that that is a little bit more um has a little bit more of a cynical, darker streak to it um the human vapor um and i think of any movie that he's written i feel like this is this is his movie you know this is probably the movie that was the closest to telling you like hey this is the kind of person he was Uh, and that's not to say he was a bad person or it was just he was very much considered himself a social outcast who Felt like an outsider, didn't really seem to blend in with people, was a little more awkward, um, and uh, had a really kind of cynical view of society. Um, and I think the the wraparound segment with uh, Akira Kubo in the the mental ward um, talking about Tokyo and just, you know, the, he more or less says by the end of the movie, you know, I what's the difference between if i'd if i'd stayed there i would have been just as better off there he, there as i am here you know it's a jungle out there and people out there are still you know being doing horrible things to each other and dehumanizing each other on a daily basis how's tokyo any different than than the the island he was stranded on um and uh i know kimura really kind of this was a little bit more of a personal screenplay for him so much so that um uh honda had a, a private screening uh just with the two of them so he could show him the final cut of the movie and, and at the end he said like well i mean what what do you think how would we do and kimura said you know i have no complaints um And, uh, you Mm -hmm. know, he, he, he kind of, you know, he, he died, uh, depressed and alone. Um, and, uh, you know, he didn't really have a whole lot of friends and he choked to death in 1988, um, alone in his apartment. (laughs) And, you know, uh, I think he was dead for a little while before anyone found him, Mm. um, and uh, there's <laughs> there's a legendary the it's a myth mythic interview with Kimura and Sekizawa at the same time where someone said like so do you guys really like writing these movies and Sekizawa was like yeah I love it and Kimura was just like oh no. Nah. No, (laughs) (laughs) Um,
3: that's interesting though because like yeah like that's kind of one of the things about this movie is like yeah honda's honda's fingerprints are certainly all over it because you know just his directorial style and and you know the way he he directs his actors and everything like that um but uh but yeah like this movie like even more than than like Gojira goes goes for a uh a very dark cynical message that uh isn't really in like like most of Honda's films, even like the darker ones you know like even even like Gojira, like it it ends with kind of a there's hope for humanity kind of thing yeah you know? they're
1: very humanistic and they always kind of show how it even people even people that don't get along need to come together to defeat something whether it's aliens or a monster or whatever
3: yeah and and this is ju- this is just nope everyone's terrible you know <laughs> like <laughs> uh and everyone deserves it and uh yeah it's uh it's downbeat in that way and i mean uh it's uh it's really effective it's really atmospheric um it's it goes for a a freak out moment too like two of them basically two, there's two big ones and when those happen they're they're really unnerving um and i'm not even i'm not necessarily going to say scary like you're not going to be scared but they're just they're they're like so high energy and high tension and bizarre that like you know when the when the uh, matango's attack uh Tsuchiya and uh then at the end of the movie it's it's so uh, disorienting it's awesome it was really well done
1: um yeah uh it's um i i agree with you in that it's it it is it's definitely a more downbeat movie for for a honda movie it's uncharacteristically downbeat almost um i mean at the most you could say like he's saying like hey you know the you know we should never treat each other that way but um but yeah i mean the the voice of the screenwriter comes through so much um but that's not to say i mean like honda directs this movie brilliantly um and i i honestly i think um because i mean a lot of these actors are familiar to us akira kubo is the professor, um, Kumi Mizuno, Kenji Sahara, Yo- Yoshio Tsuchiya, uh, Hiroshi Koizumi. Like, we've seen these guys in so many movies. Um, and I-, I feel like just about all of them are doing their best work here. Um, and I know that before they they shot this movie, Honda had a meeting with, with the cast because these were like his regulars at this point. Um,. And he told them like, you know, this is going to be something much different from the kind of movie we usually do. It's going to be more, a lot more serious. Um, you know, I, I'm, you know, you're you're not just characters watching, you know, monsters fight. He he said like, you know, I'm going to need all of you to really up your game as high as it can be because this isn't the kind of thing that we've ever done before. Um, and I, I think that everyone really was successful in doing that um like uh and uh, this is the first movie where kenji sahara is really cast as like it's pretty much just a piece of shit uh (laughs) and you know he was usually cast as the hero and in this movie they give him these nasty fake hillbilly teeth and he's just a scummy guy threatening to rape the women and
2: yeah that that was unnerving honestly i forgot about that part
1: I'll take her tonight. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh my god, what's wrong with you? <laughs> um
3: But then then even uh even uh Hiroshi Tachikawa gets in on it when he's like, you know what I think I think
1: I like the other girl even more. <laughs> yeah, it's like what's your what's, what the hell is this guy's problem? <laughs> um and, uh, I mean going back to just the way the movie's directed like again visually um it it is this movie has so much atmosphere that you can practically like feel the humidity and smell the nasty musty fungus and in, in the these like derelict ship that they find it's just covered in gross fungus and dust and um uh and just on a compositional level he does some like there's a scene where they flash back to when everyone was friends and you know i mean these characters who are pretty much just a group of yuppies you know rich rich kids pretty much um they're sitting around a table and that's and then um there was there's a scene elsewhere in the movie where the characters are sitting around arguing and screaming at each other and and the 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 composition's the same um in both scenes when they're at the table arguing and when they're at the table in uh in tokyo as friends and so he does a lot of things um there's a lot of di- directorial uh choices like that that he makes um throughout the movie also um and the the whole movie just has a really interesting and like creepy feel to it like it, it it's very atmospheric and very weird um and uh in adi- I mean I think that the general thesis of the movie is how um this group of people is like a microcosm of society and how it breaks down and um but that you could draw so much more out of this movie. Like they mention that the, the mushroom people that, you know, the fungus uh, may be the way it is because of effects of radiation testing. So that's, that's in there. It's not a a really super relevant plot point, but it's, it's, it's giving you that to think about. Also Um, you could also talk about um, how anyone that eats these mushrooms hallucinates and, the addictive quality to them, and how you know again, it's not shoving that in your face. Is like, hey, here's an anti-drug movie. It's just, it's that's just another thing the movie can make you think about. Um, and so there's really just a lot to appreciate with what this movie's doing, what it's saying. Um, another thing for for uh, a Japanese sci-fi movie uh, or a Honda movie is this is the only movie in toho's um like monster movie canon that i can think of that pretty much a uh dr- goes into human sexuality um whatsoever uh because we we do see you know with with the females being outnumbered in a group of males how that starts to create tension among the other males, and Kumi Mizuno's character is, is using it to feel good about herself, um, you know, she's dating Yoshio Tsuchiya, but, um, you know, Kenji Sahara sees her and, um, uh, the author, uh, character, um, this with them, like, he sees that they're, like, going out into the jungle and having sex out there, and, um, there's the part where, you know, he walks in on her with him and, like, they get into a fight and she's like, oh, hey eh. Like, she doesn't care that, like, she's <laughs> ruining these relationships. She's just like, oh, hey, eh, everybody wants me. Isn't that funny? And it's like, yeah, ugh, what a terrible person. Um, so, yeah, man, it's it's a movie that really... It goes for a lot and um, I, it accomplishes a lot. Yeah, and the... And- the effects
3: are certainly like a little more sparse than in like your typical uh, Kaiju movie, for example, for example, but uh, what's there is really well done. you know, the mushrooms swelling up in the rain, um, the the full-fledged like Matango people. Um, the way that, the way that they get them to, to uh, have like a slight bioluminescence to them is 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 really good. Uh that's all like everything that's there is really, really well done. Um and so it, it you know, you're never you never pulled out of the proceedings by being like, oh that that wasn't such a good shot or good moment. You know, like it all it all <laughs> hangs together really well. And if you're looking for your uh you know if you're if you're one of those people out there is like uh shouldn't this be a Godzilla podcast? Um, the Matango appeared in Godzilla Monster of Monsters on the NES.
1: Yes. Correct. Yes, it did. Also in the Godzilla Island television series. Don't you own that bird? Uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I just had Uh, to bring it up. (laughs) That was a, uh, kind of bizarre TV series in the 90s, um, which was literally made to sell toys. It's pretty much a puppet show with Bandai toys. But yes, oh, wait, there... like
2: Ultraman X and
1: Orb. Yes, exactly like that. Only at least Godzilla Island wasn't like you know the main focus of the franchise at the time. You know, <clears throat> um, but yeah, there's an arc where like uh, there's like a Matango Hetera, um, and uh, they, there's like a Matango Island. and and stuff so it's definitely crossed over into the godzilla universe on at least those two occasions um uh but yeah and going back to the effects um yeah this was uh these are subaraya this is subaraya effects um but yeah like in the rain there's uh they show like these giant mushrooms like growing and like expanding um, which I guess what they had done, what they did was they took like, um, some sort of like can- sugary, like candy kind of substance and they would heat it from the bottom and that would give the, uh, illusion of like a, a mushroom shape, like blooming hmm. out of the ground. Almost like,
3: uh, I don't know if you ever put a mark, uh, mush- uh, marshmallow in the microwave.
0: Yeah.
1: Exactly, um, and um, <clears throat> uh, but I would definitely say for those people that are like, "Oh, isn't this a Godzilla podcast?" It's like, I mean, you have the director of most of the best Godzilla movies, uh, and I'm here telling you this is some of his best work, um, and you have re- screenwriters, effects. People, actors from the Godzilla series, all really delivering a hundred plus percent. Um, and uh, I remember when I first saw this movie, it was um, like a bootleg VHS. I'd gotten at a convention. I was probably in seventh grade. And, and it freaked me out, man. <laughs> you know? Um, now... How do you guys feel about, like, the final mushroom person, you know, the big, towering, mushroom, Matango person suit? It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. No, if if you were to just Google image charts Matango or look at some pictures of it, it... Truly it, it is a goofier looking creature. Uh Yoshio Suchia even joked um in an interview once that it, it looks like something that you should you would see at a ride on Disneyland. <laughs> um,
3: but uh, uh but um th- I, I, maybe if you drop ass <laughs> <at> first like <laughs>
1: Um Thankfully though I, the movie makes f- pretty good use of them, um keeping them obscured or you know, not the focus of a frame. Um and despite how silly you might think they look, I don't care who you are, that laugh is just unsettling cuz like they have this like mo- this this laugh that you really have to hear it to understand like why it's so strange. But um Baltan the Ultraman monster has like a modified Matango yeah. laugh effect. So mm-hmm. that should give you an idea of of what it sounds like. I
3: mean, yeah, they might be like slightly goofy suits, but again, that gets into the whole, you know, just Ishiro Honda was just one of the best kaiju directors ever. He could take this stuff that uh, w- wouldn't have looked very convincing if if done um, by uh, – now, even though I, I actually like two that, the – or, you know, I kind of like the guy's movies. They, they just wouldn't have looked as good done by a Tezuka, for example – um and just managed to make them look so effective and and in this movie creepy um he does a, a fantastic job of it
2: mm-hmm. one of the things too about the mushroom suits is that it's not a situation where less is more there's so many of them that it's actually more effective that way like it kind of it it and sort they, of takes that air of goofiness away in my opinion
1: and there there's some that are like a little like, that are different like there's some that look like I don't know. I almost like tree people. Almost like, um, and then you also have the people that are like kind of half formed. Um, like the one that's like stalking around the ship in the middle of the night. That's, uh,
3: that's Hideo Amamoto.
1: It is. I don't know why he's in such a, like basically throwaway part, but yeah, it's him under a lot of makeup. And, um, so they definitely go through stages. um, they start I by, love the way
3: they do that too. They don't like they they show them to you all like wildly out of order, you know. Um, like you get the the one that's like skulking them around the ship, and and then you kind of see. Uh, I, th- I think the next one you see is kind of one of the the big ones or whatever. Yeah, cause they shoot at um, it in like
2: the woods or whatever because they don't know what it is.
3: And then and then like then uh, you see the. The, the one character who has eaten some and like his he's got like the dark circles under his eyes and he's like starting it like just the way that they kind of do it like all out of order and so that you then just instead of just going you know through a progression um from beginning to end it, it's really cool
1: yeah um but yeah it's it's very um I would say this movie is very—it's uh, very Cronenberg-esque. Um, in fact, like if David Cronenberg in like the '80s or '90s remade this movie, it would—it probably would have been a perfect movie. Like, uh, it tackles—I know—can oh uh, you imagine? It tackles <laughs> all the themes that he always um, dealt with, whether it's you know bodily transformations, human se- sexuality, and society breaking down um and i mean i'll say i mean if anyone happens to like movies like you know uh the fly or shivers or whatever like th- this would be right up your alley it's uh and um i mean this movie's always going to be like nearly perfect in my eyes but this is one where i could see like a modern remake being like being really interesting especially with you know the things we, we can do with makeup effects and and you know how things like that have advanced over the years. I, I would so be down for uh, a modern version of this. Um,
3: uh, now, uh, would you would you be down for the monster girl modern version
1: oh, of God, this?
2: No. <laughs> no, no, that exists. That I exists mean, already. I, no, when I typed seen... in the tango, it popped up, and I was blinded for life.
1: Oh my lord! So why? Why are people sexualizing fungus monsters?
2: I don't know, but I saw a picture (laughs) of a of a mushroom having sex with a. I don't understand. I don't understand.
1: (laughs) What's the? It's rule. uh, What is it? Thirty-four.
2: Rule Rule thirty-four. Yeah.
1: If 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 it exists, there's porn of it somewhere. Yeah, I don't understand. Um. Uh. But yeah, this this movie has um. It's got a good cult following, but it's not big enough. Um, and I know people over the years, people like uh, Quentin Tarantino and um, Guillermo del Toro have talked about how much they love this movie. But really, it is it's it is that good. Um, Alan Moore, the famous comic book writer, uh, is a fan of the film. Uh, I think it was Swamp Thing. Um, he had a mushroom villain called Matango. Um, so yeah, I mean uh, the so if if our recommendation isn't enough, hopefully hearing that some really awesome people also enjoy this movie will will help. Now, um, uh, what do you guys think of like because when I because re- I actually just rewatched it yesterday, what what did you guys think of uh, the set design? Because that's something that I was like constantly like paying attention to and being like, wow, that's the, the like. It's so cool and so unique.
2: I mean, the ship is super creepy as it is, but, like, the ending where they're running through the basically endless field of mushroom people is awesome. It's one of the best, like, the set design since probably – I don't know. I I love the stuff in, like, Son of Godzilla and Sea Monster.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so, like – this seems like one of those movies where I – Would really want to walk around the set because I feel like, you know, this is one of those one of those things. And um, I I was recently listening to the uh, Ash versus Evil Dead commentary tracks and they they keep talking about how like a lot of the sets you see, like you're only seeing like half of them. And there's so much cool stuff that you're not even getting to see. I feel like that's got to be the case with this. Like this that ship is so detailed you know, the the inside of it and the the jungle like seems at least so vast. Like I'd want to walk. I would I would want to have walked around this set and and see, like, is it that big? And like that alone would just impress me, like, you know, how much money they poured into it and how meticulous it was and how detailed it was. Or is it is it not that big? And Honda makes it look big in, uh, you know, in his direction, because, you know, then either way, it's it's impressive kind of uh but yeah it's it's just definitely like just a a cool you know the atmospheric set design that i would definitely wish i could get like a closer look at you know
1: Mm -hmm. um yeah and like uh just talking about this the cinematography and everything also like uh The movie has like it. You it makes a really cool use of color that a lot of the old you know Toho tokusatsu movies um, didn't really seem to do as much. Like um, especially when they're on that uh, that abandoned ship. Like he walks into the one room and it's like all red. Uh, Like it's like a red light. Um, And like I mean that ship you can just. like feel the grossness coming off of it, like, ugh, and and you just think like, oh, I bet it smells so terrible.
3: And, and like you said, the humidity too, like the heat. I mean, this is this is one of the sweatiest movies uh, this side of Howling Three. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know. Off air, I bring that movie up to you guys all the time. Yeah, but you're, seriously, you're, that
1: you are you're obsessed with the Howling Three. <laughs> that that movie is the sweatiest
3: movie i've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life uh th- this this comes close though i mean it, they look they all look so uncomfortable and i i wonder if if uh if it was an uncomfortable thing to shoot you know um again that's that's one of the one of the kind of disadvantages of these, uh, of talking about some of these like lesser known, you know, like more obscure kind of things is there's not as as much known about them. Um, I wonder if it was like a really uncomfortable yeah. shoot. Like if they're like, um, we need everyone to look sweaty, so just, you know, uh, turn the heat up, you know, like, and it was just like a really uncomfortable experience or, or what.
1: The, um, there's a, the commentary hit on, uh, and, um, the DVD with the Kira is pretty cool, but they don't talk so much about the movie so much as they just talk to him about, like, what it was like to be, like, a rising star at Toho in the 60s, which is interesting, but, um, there's not as much talk about the movie as I would have liked. Um, have you guys read the short story that this is based on at all? No. Um... I think it's on the DVD, is like you can read it. Um, it's not too long, but uh, basically, um, uh, in the short story, uh, it concerns a schooner that's approached by a rowboat uh, in the night, and the passenger on the uh, rowboat doesn't want to bring his uh, boat. Too close um, until the sailors and the schooner turn off their lan- lanterns, and he tells them, you know, he's uh, he begs f- them for food that he can go and take back to his fiance, um, and they give him a box of food, and he later goes to um, goes back to tell them that his fiance is. Grateful for the food, but uh, she—it looks like she's going to pass away soon. Then he tells them a story about how him and his his fiance um, were um, uh, on a on a ship, and uh, it—I believe it sunk. um, But they um, were abandoned by the crew, who took all the lifeboats, and they um, uh, escaped to a nearby uh, lagoon. Um, and there was an abandoned ship covered in fungus, um, and they attempted to remove the fungus, but they couldn 't and um Everything on the island was covered in this fungus and eventually the um the the narrator in the rowboat and his fiance found the fungus growing on their skin, and they started feeling an uncontrollable like um uh desire to eat it and Then they noticed that other people. On the island, had also been consumed by this fungusy growth stuff, um, and so he just tells them that story and and rows away, and then um, uh, that's that's more or less the the short story. Um, so you can see how that this is loosely based on that, um, and it was actually from what I've read um uh adapted for a TV show called Suspicion which was like a one hour um show uh made here in the US that was um it was kind of like an Alfred Hitchcock presents like anthology uh type of series like they did episodes that had Boris Karloff and stuff and uh they uh, they adapted the short story for that and I've been trying to track down that episode of that show forever I have ran into nothing. Um, I would love to see it though. Um, uh, but yeah, and then Matango was the other adaptation. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I would say this movie kind of takes that idea of just f- fungusy people. <laughs> and really takes it to the extreme. I mean, you could have adapted that short story to be anything. The fact that this is what they came up with, something so layered and with so much... Um, just something this complex. I mean, you know, they really weren't slacking when they made this thing.
2: It's a great movie. I love it. Yeah, it's awesome.
1: Um, and I want to bring up a point about the ending, which... Well, I guess Matt kind of already spoiled the ending earlier. Um <laughs> I'm great at that. Uh. <clears throat> have you guys watched the dub or the subtitled version? Or both? I've watched both. Um. Subbed. Okay. Because in the subtitled version, when Akira Kubo turns around and you see that he is turning into a, a Matango uh, creature, um, in the subtitled version, he says, you know, I should have stayed on that island, um, uh, you know, I I did all. He more or less says, you know, I I did all this and survived it. And for what? And he turns around and you see it. In the dub, he says, um, you know, I I didn't know what to do and I was desperate and I ate them. And he turns around, you see his face. Um, because you don't see him eat them, and in the subtitle dialogue, he doesn't say that he ate them. So I think the implication is more or less maybe he breathe he was breathing it in. Um, cause in the short story, the, the narrator doesn't eat it either. Um, they start growing the fungus on them and then eating it. Uh, so I'm, I'm wondering if, I mean, I'm sure the Japanese dialogue is more faithful to the script. Um, it's, it's a weird kind of question, but do you guys have a preference? Do you like the idea that he went through all this and survived? really for no reason or the idea that he eventually just had a mental breakdown and ate them anyway?
3: I kind of, well, Matt hasn't seen the the subtitle, but I kind of prefer the, the subtitled, ver- or not the subtitled. I kind of prefer the dubbed version just because it, it makes it seem like more of a shocking revelation. Um, in the subtitle version, the the kind of way it's, it's it's built to to me um and some of the the actual words specifically don't you know he talks about there was so much food and you're like well there there actually wasn't um just kind of some of the that kind of stuff like it, it throws me a little bit and it, it seems like it already sets you up to believing that the uh, that it's all over his face um Whereas in the in the dub, it's it's kind of like, you know, I didn't know what to do. I I I couldn't hold on. You know, it just it, and then dun dun dun. I don't. It just has more of a uh punch to me a little bit. Maybe that's because I don't speak the language too. You know, when I'm reading it versus seeing it.
2: I thought it was implied, sort of, that he had a mental breakdown and he ended up eating it, but maybe that it's not i don't know um as you mentioned maybe the the fungus can just grow on you because of exposure but i took it when i watched it because i haven't read the short story uh that he did in fact eventually just eat the um the mushrooms anyway so i kind of took the ending to almost be the same as in the dub in a way
1: mm-hmm.
2: so like to me it sort of had the same effect oh
1: well shut up then <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> and for me, maybe it's because I saw the dub first, but I've always taken it that way. Yeah, also. I,
1: I saw the. I mean, I grew up watching the dub. Um. Uh. And then, um, crap. There's one more thing I wanted to add about that. Oh well, we'll we'll never know. I do know this movie <laughs> was slightly controversial in Japan, um, due to some of the makeup resembling. Um, injuries of uh you know those who survived atomic bombings but it didn't go the uh prophecies of nostradamus route and get just completely banned by the studio which is great because this movie is awesome um so uh crap i really want to know what i wanted to say i'm gonna remember it like the second we end this episode and that's it's not good, and yeah, no, it's not good,
2: so how many rule thirty four mushrooms would you give would you give
1: this <laughs> um, five, yeah, this is a straight up five, I go with a four and a half, uh oh come on man why why yeah. do you gotta hate hate <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh no i
3: I go with a four and a half it's it's just a tad uh unpleasant maybe just that like <laughs> there's you know like there there are kind of stretches where there's not a whole lot happening and you're hanging out with unlikable characters um well yeah that just kind of makes it like a little bit of a uh, could something ha- you know like uh, could something happen so that you know I don't have to hang around with these buttholes um <laughs> So yeah, I just go with a four and a half. It's it's just that one rung below.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna go five. Yeah, this is a this is a five jelly. Now, what I will
3: say is, uh, we had talked on the Dracula episode how, how I was like, well, I wouldn't recommend this to to kaiju fans um, if if they're only kaiju fans. What I'll, I'll say in on this one is, if you're like if you're only a kaiju fan. And you've got some interest maybe in, like, branching out to, you know, maybe just, like, some J-horror or um, just sci-fi movies that, that are somewhat similar to, to Kaiju and, and that kind of stuff. And this this is a good, like, stepping stone movie. Uh, this, is, this is a good gateway drug. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just because it's a good movie, but because it's got a lot of those like, uh, similar aesthetic feel to a lot of the, uh, you know, 60s kaiju okay. movies.
1: It's made by all the same people, guys, you know, check it out. Um, and I do know, uh, this is one of a Shiro, Honda considered this to be one of his very best movies, um I know his answer to that you know what were his favorites is kind of alternated. I know um the original Godzilla he said many times um I know he really was very proud of uh, gorath um and uh but um uh guy Tucker in an interview once said, you know, of all your monster movies what what's your fi- favorite one?' And Honda walked over to uh, a shelf in his house that had a bunch of, you know, movies of his on these things called VHS tapes. And he, <laughs> he picked out Matango and he, he said, you know, that's a movie that he's extremely proud of and considers it one of his best movies. And I, I and many others would agree. Um, and don't be fooled by the kitschy American title. Um, it's, it's a pretty chilling and really fascinating movie. If you don't like this And movie, if you want to buy
3: the DVD, it's only $235 on Amazon.
1: <laughs> uh I'm really I'm really hoping that a lot of this stuff gets reissued. Um, it needs to be, yeah. And I mean that unfortunately with the tokusatsu and kaiju stuff and um I mean When a new release comes out, I just try and jump on it as soon as possible because it's. You never know. I mean, usually they're put out by small companies that might not have. might not last and, you know, it goes out of print easily or if it doesn't sell well. So. Uh yeah, I mean if if you guys got 230 dollars to spare, <laughs> um check it out. Um otherwise, you can get it for
3: 30 on Amazon, but or not on Amazon, on eBay, but even you know, 30 bucks for a DVD is pretty pretty up there.
1: Yeah, I I mean, just someone out there please reissue this damn thing. Um but yeah, excellent movie, um and most of the people that worked on it consider it some of their best work. So that is Matango um, Jelly. Thank you again. Or, or should I call you Tom? What What do I even call you on these things? <laughs> no,
3: it now doesn't that... matter to me. Um, but but you know, well, whoever Tom's you are. Good. Thank one you. Of the,
1: one of the reasons, <laughs>
3: just to <laughs> to pull back the curtain a little bit, and people don't care. But still, uh...
1: what <laughs> Matt? Is anyone there?
2: Hey
3: Tom, Tom. Yeah, we
1: can hear you. We can hear you. Oh, you guys yeah. broke out. I Tom was like, "You want to hear something?" And then it just completely went to shit. What did you no. just say?
3: No, <laughs> uh, I was just. Could Matt hear me while I was saying? I can hear
2: you fine. I, oh. I think I think Bird. I thought I think Bird thought that he hung up on us again. Tom,
3: it, he might have just his internet might have just glitched for a second. <laughs> um, but no, what I was saying is. It, what, what uh, I know, people don't really care, probably. But one of the reasons we went with, you know, like Jelly and the Source on Second Run is because we're both named Tom, <laughs> and and like then you know we just thought like when we had pe- other people on and, and stuff like that, and people would be like, "Hey Tom," and be like, "What?" You know, like so. Uh, oh my god! So, yeah, I didn't but, even uh,
1: <laughs> I didn't even think of that.
3: Tom's good. That's fine.
1: Unless we get jelly on too, here.
3: you could you could just call me. I don't know. Max Danger. But Carlos
1: Danger.
2: I'm just gonna go with uh, Monsterd. I don't know. It's still a thing. Danger.
3: <laughs> you could just, uh, yeah. Tom's fine. <laughs> okay. I, I was gonna try and think of something cool, but I, I couldn't
1: all right fail
3: i got too busy i'm too busy looking at uh at matango porn over
1: here oh boy all right well thank you again for joining us and we'll have more stuff to talk to you about next time right guys right is correct all right